Letter number six, Torah Umada. My dear student, Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb was the third president of Yeshiva University. When he died, I was already installed as YU's fifth president. I opened my eulogy for him, expressing the depth of my own sorrow at his passing. We have lost a leader and a legend, a friend and a father. He was all of those things to me. He was a mentor and sage, an exemplar as a pulpit rabbi of a synagogue, the Jewish Center in Manhattan, and one of my greatest teachers in the art of life. I began to develop a close relationship with Rabbi Lam when I was 24 years old. Because I had read so many of his books and articles and heard him speak at YU so often, I felt that I already knew him on some level. But this was soon eclipsed when I actually spent personal time with him and realized how his writings, however magnificent, can never fully express the essence of his genius. At 24, I became a rabbinic intern at the Jewish Center, the congregation Rabbi Lam regularly attended, and I asked him for feedback on my sermons. As a young rabbi, I was a novice in need of a guide, and I knew I would benefit immensely from his influence. Maybe it was chutzpah that drove me to ask for his time, but if Rabbi Lam thought it was chutzpah on my part to ask, he never mentioned it. Quite the opposite. He spent time with me after every occasion I spoke in public, coaching me and inviting me to rethink the way I said something. He wanted me to hear the music of a sermon, not only its words, but its cadences, as was experienced by the audience. During the time we spent together, we discussed much more than sermons. I listened carefully as he gave me professional and relationship advice, pearls of wisdom that inform who I am today. It was Rabbi Lamb who took the words Torah Umada, the motto of Yeshiva University, and offered its long conceptual history in his book entitled Torah Umada. Its subtitle speaks to the disparity that can exist between these different spheres, the encounter of religious learning and worldly knowledge in the Jewish tradition. Rabbi Lamb wrote the book at an inflection point for Yeshiva University. After experiencing a period of great expansion, why he was sending newly minted graduates into the world in careers as educators, rabbis, business people, scientists, speech pathologists, lawyers, occupational therapists, and doctors. They were well prepared for lives as Torah true Jews by virtue of their training and grounding and learning, prayer, and community building. They received all of this during their undergraduate years. Yet Rabbi Lamb saw that there was a need to articulate a guiding educational philosophy that would encompass different ways that Torah Mada has been understood. These ways sometimes complement each other and at other times clash. The approaches Rabbi Lamb developed are associated with different scholars and disciplines. In Torah Umada, Rabbi Lamb writes in an autobiographical note that when he came to yeshiva as an undergraduate in 1945, he was seeking a place where he could continue his Talmudic studies with a good college education under one roof. This was especially important because he was considering a career in the rabbinate. The idea of the melding of two worlds that each entranced him was central to his decision to come here and to his professional trajectory more generally. As he writes, and I quote, I have experienced a lifelong romance with this ideal, a romance that was not at all uncritical. It has inspired and frustrated me, challenged and puzzled me, and made me feel that in turn it is incapable of theoretical justification for a believing Jew yet so self-evident as to not require any justification. Rabbi Lam experienced these tensions, he writes, as a student, a faculty member of YU, and even as YU's president. 
As an undergraduate, he believed that a number of his fellow students felt the same way. The big void in my education was the lack of a cohesive halachic and philosophical theory of Torah Umade, he wrote. With the help of others, he began a series of programs and fellowships on several levels to help students understand the educational values that underpin Yeshiva University, and he began speaking about it himself. The result was the book. There he presented six justifications or models of Torah Ramada understood and practiced differently by Jews of various religious commitments, but all valid and important. I will summarize them here briefly in my own words without doing them justice. Rabbi Lamb used a colorful variety of Jewish texts and famous rabbinic figures to illustrate each approach. I encourage you to read the book and think about it as you form your own ideas about what it means to live a Torah-saturated life while benefiting from and contributing to the larger world in which we live. The first of the six was the rationalist approach. We engage in academic studies in order to understand and appreciate the world God created. It makes rational sense that since God created the world, it is our job to understand it. We cannot do that if we focus only on religiously edifying subjects, but skip history, physics, or any other subject that explains our existence and our complexity. Cultural. Society offers us music, art, literature, museums, theater, and a variety of lenses that help us view our Jewish lives in relation to the norms of the world around us. We do so with appreciation, but also with a filter. This integration can deepen our appreciation of human nature while providing a powerful Jewish halachic framework to interrogate the values of the surrounding culture. This approach is perhaps best summed up in another expression popularized by the German rabbinic luminary Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch, Torah im Derech Eretz. Torah that endures has the capacity to influence the mores of society. Mystical. In this view, we study the world because nothing escapes God's notice. Everything is holy. If we believe, as the mystics did, that everything is truly sacred, then there is nothing off limits for our full intellectual and spiritual attention. Number four is instrumental. Just as the mystical view is all expansive, the instrumental approach is limiting. We use academic studies in order to better appreciate and understand the Torah. Mathematics is instrumental in understanding certain sugyot of the Talmud. Literature can help us better interpret biblical narratives, recognize its patterns, and develop its themes. Economics can assist us in thinking about the management of loans on the sabbatical year. And these are only a few examples. Inclusionary. This approach envisions the world as a form of Torah. If the world is itself Torah, then it's our responsibility to study it. Studying the world is also an act of studying Torah. And finally, Hasidic. In the Hasidic tradition, the ordinary becomes sanctified when it's framed by holiness. Thus, for example, food becomes holy when we make blessings before and after we eat it. Academic studies become holy when we learn them within a framework of sanctity. In his conclusion, Rabbi Lamb wrote that there is no model of Torah Umada that is exclusively valid for all people at all times. There is a plurality of versions or paradigms to choose from. In other words, while certain sages or certain Jewish approaches have been associated with one group or another, Advocates of Torah Mada may integrate these worlds in different ways in their own lives. A person can engage in academic studies instrumentally and then find these studies so deeply enriching 
that they become sanctified in his or her mind. I was personally grateful that my own Rebbe, Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein, helped me initially in my thinking about what Yeshiva University stands for, the on-ramp, if you will, to my own articulation of the five Torah values. In his article, A Consideration of Synthesis from a Torah Point of View, Rabbi Lichtenstein frames the discussion within Moshe's clarion call to Hashem, let me know your ways. In studying the world, we study God's ways. Rabbi Lichtenstein shares the sensibility we should feel in trying to bring together two worlds that do not always meld organically. Few matters concern us, he writes, both disturb and affect us, more than the relationship between our religious and secular studies. As students committed to Torah and the study of Torah, and yet deeply engaged in the pursuit of a general education, we feel, and should feel, a strong need to understand the respective positions of the two areas of our lives. In his thinking, when these values are in conflict, we should approach the confrontation using three fundamental principles. Number one, Torah is always our primary and supreme value. Number two, the achievement of a life of Torah is dependent on an ongoing commitment to Torah study. Number three, we recognize the value of academic studies not only as they contribute to the development of professional and vocational training, but also as a general orientation toward the innumerable pragmatic exigencies of life. Rabbi Lichtenstein believes we need to know the world because sometimes we need to question what we see, hear, and learn. We cannot combat worldliness, he writes, until we know what it stands for. We cannot refute the secularists unless we have mastered his arguments. And this Rabbi Lichtenstein was echoing a well-known teaching from Pirkei Avot, Be diligent in the study of the Torah and know how to answer the heretic. We apply ourselves both to the study of our values and to what contradicts them in order to protect ourselves. Rabbi Lichtenstein then raises our study of worldly disciplines beyond protection to actual influence. If we wish not merely to react to our environment, he writes, but to act upon it, we must be thoroughly familiar with its mores and values. Rabbi Lichtenstein saw a great worth in the pursuit of knowledge. Many disciplines are not only helpful, but indispensable. He did not label such studies as Torah, following the approach of the mystics in Rabbi Lam's schema, but at the very least, Heksher Talmud Torah, a means for understanding the Torah better. Such learning is formative to our spiritual development. In this respect, I am personally compelled by Rambam's well-known adage, accept the truth from whoever states it. What I appreciated most about Rabbi Lichtenstein's perspective is that while he believed the Torah in combination with worldly knowledge, especially the humanities, could enlighten us about the complexity of human experience, at the same time, he was unafraid to ask difficult questions about synthesis. Even if academic studies are worthwhile, are they important enough to divert our attention from the Beit Midrash? In his words, many have objected that quite apart from the time which they consume, secular studies weaken the individual's religious position simply by diverting his interest, thus sapping his personal resources. Diversification leads both to diversion and distraction. It leaves the students involved with irrelevant matters but unmindful of his vital religious concerns. This is a valid and important practical concern. Rabbi Lichtenstein was also troubled by what he called intellectual schizophrenia. Being pulled in multiple directions can damage the tender fibers of faith 
Ideas are potent. They are powerful agents, he writes, directly affecting the growth of our spiritual personality. I kept these issues top of mind as a student, trying to live up to Rabbi Lichtenstein's chief standard for Yeshiva University students, commitment. Commitment, he writes, is the permanent recognition, both emotional and intellectual, that Torah is our principal concern. Whatever else we may be doing, we know that Torah and its study, the conscious development of our spiritual personality, is the main thing. Compelling reasons may temporarily force us to lay it aside, but we can hardly wait to return. Commitment is not only reflected in our behaviors, it's also a mindset, one that is reaffirmed when I put on tefillin each morning and recite these verses from Hosea, Barastichli Leolam, Barastichli Betzedek Ube Mishpatu Bechesed Rachamim, Barastichli Be'amunah Yedate Et Hashem. And I will espouse you forever. I will espouse you with righteousness and justice and with goodness and mercy. And I will espouse you with faithfulness. Then you shall be devoted to the Lord. We don't just do acts of piety and justice. We affirm our commitment to them daily. We commit to commitment, if you will. Your studies at Yeshiva are in the ideal and education in commitment. Torah is not a college major. It's the major. Warmest regards, Ari Berman.